0: Well, good morning and welcome. What an exciting time to be together uh, this morning as we have kind of been segregated out this past week and wondering what's on the horizon for all of us uh, to get together, even if it's via a television screen or a computer screen or maybe your phone. We're so glad to have us all together kind of in one place, uh, at least uh, over the internet. And uh, what a great time to know that we are saved by the grace of God. That each and every one of us can lean into the peace that only Jesus Christ can give to us. That we can look to God's word and know that he has got everything exactly how he wants it. He is still in control. He is on his throne in heaven. And we serve an incredible Savior. I know that you're spreading that message to those that you're talking with, interacting with, whether on social media or on telephone, however you're doing that, we want you to share the message of Jesus and be the light wherever you are found. Well, I hope you've got your Bibles with you this morning, and uh, we've got just a few here, but online that doesn't exempt you from grabbing your Bible and getting to the Word of God with us this morning. We'll be in John chapter 3 to start off with. But we're going to look at three different stories this morning to kind of culminate a message of peace and hope for today. You know, uh, I think both my brothers are probably watching this morning. They live in Arkansas. And my youngest brother, Chris, he sent me a video of uh, their dog. And they've got a large dog that lives uh, in the house with them. And they just sold their house. They're moving into a new one. And he was asking the dog if he wanted to go for a walk and doing the normal things an owner would do to a dog to get him hyped up and excited. And by the end of the video, I found myself waiting by my front door. It was kind of an interesting moment. I was ready to go on the walk myself. And I'm guessing that you're kind of like that too. You're ready to get out of the house. You're ready to go do something different. And my guess is that we all are going to have to be fairly unique and different about the way that we are doing things and will do things, not only today, but in the weeks and months ahead of us. Whatever the situation, though, what we know is that we are believers in Jesus Christ, and that calls us to a very different type of life. I want to invite you back even next Sunday to our online event as well at 1045. We're going to be talking about a biblical perspective of anxiety, and we're going to all want to be a part of that and lean into what Paul has to say about that particular subject, so I invite you back next Sunday as well. It's interesting how different stories unfold and some of the stories that we're going to look at today are ones that are on our reading plan and if you're part of Crosspoint, the very first of the year, Kale gave you that reading plan to follow along and it's been been fun to interact with you guys uh, in different ways on stories that we read, things that we weren't aware that were in Scripture and reminders of the confidences we can have in our God. And as we read through those stories, kind of interacting with them, Uh, together as well. One of those stories happens in John chapter 3, which really is the premise for this whole series that we're doing, that he is greater than I. You see, John and his disciples are baptizing in the River Jordan, and as they are baptizing, Jesus and his disciples are also baptizing in the River Jordan. Well, some of John's disciples go over to speak with Jesus, and they come back to John a little concerned because... He says, they say rather that Jesus is getting more people than they are, that more people are coming to Jesus than coming to John. John understands his role in the message of Jesus. He understands his kingdom work moment. And he says in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 30, he says, Jesus must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. You see, John understood who Jesus was, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the Prince of Peace. And he wanted to, the world to know exactly who Jesus was. And John knew that in order for that to happen that he had to become less. He had to become more of a servant than any other time in his life in order that Jesus would rise to the surface. John was not a self-promoter. Now, I know that you've done this just like I have done, but maybe you've been curious about a word or a definition, and so you've gone to Google search and you've plugged in a word to see the different articles and the ideas that come up underneath that particular thing. And so this past week I plugged in the idea of self-promoter. Self-promote. What does that mean? And hundreds of articles came up, like how to self-promote, obviously, or the top 10 ways to get yourself in the spotlight or on stage, or the top 40 ways to promote yourself without looking like a jerk. I mean, the list was endless about self-promotion. That's what this world is truly all about. As a matter of fact, there have been lots of different surveys done, and our current teen culture, you know what the number one thing that they want to happen in their own life? 54% of them said that they want to be a celebrity. Now, who wouldn't want to be a celebrity? We all kind of want that to some degree, but our teens that are growing up right now, their hope, whether their field is music or maybe the silver screen or the stage, fashion, they want to be on that stage in the spotlight they want to have that attention but those of us that follow jesus realize exactly what jesus says in the moment he says if you follow me it can never be about self-promotion it's always about serving other people Jesus says, look, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to put yourself on the back burner. You're going to have to forget your own agenda. You're going to have to lean into what I've called you to live out. You're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then you can follow me. As a matter of fact, he says to his disciples, and in doing so, tells us today in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus says, look, if you want to follow me, it's an upside-down world. And right now, most of us feel like we're living in a little bit of an upside-down world. Things are very different than any of us have ever experienced before. And Jesus says, as my followers You are called to upside-down living, to living differently than the world kind of makes the definition for living. Most of us want to follow Jesus, and sometimes our human nature kind of pulls at us and tugs at us. But Jesus says, hey, you need to let go of your own desires and take on the nature of a servant. Because what we find out along the way is this. But if you follow Jesus serving is never about what you do it's really who you are when you follow Jesus it's not about what you do but it's who you are and so I asked the question this morning what is it that you're doing in your life what are the things that define you so to speak a few weeks ago uh, we had a staff devotional, and I gave all of them a blank piece of paper, including myself. And I asked the question, if, if today you weren't here for whatever reason, what would you want people to say about you? Write down two or three things that you believe people would say about you. What, were you, what would your hopes be in that moment? And we read all of our answers aloud and talked a little bit about the people that we really wanted to be. And Jesus calls us to that kind of living where we're putting other people in front of ourselves, where we're putting his kingdom work before anything that we want in life. There's a great story in the book of Acts chapter 9 that kind of really spells that idea out. The first Greek female mentioned in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 9. Her name is Tabitha. And Tabitha lives in the town of Joppa, Peter has gone to visit in Joppa. He's there. And as he walks into town, he realizes this community is in a mourning stage because Tabitha was the kind of person that was humble in heart, very selfless, always giving. As a matter of fact, the people, as Peter walked in, began to show him all of the clothing that Tabitha had made and given them the coats that they were wearing that Tabitha had made. She was an incredibly kind person, but she had passed away. and She was in an upper room, and they took Peter to that room. Many people were in there mourning her passing, and Peter eventually asked everyone to leave the room. He got her on his knees and he prayed to God for the power to raise her from the dead. And he turns to her and he says, Tabitha, get up, which she did. And then Peter reintroduces her to her own community to which there was a massive celebration and party. What we find in the story is the kind of person that we want to be in our life as well. We want to be people that if and when we do move on. We will be missed dearly because of what we offered in the way of kindness and humility and long-suffering. She was not self-promoting, but she was a servant to everyone in her community. And so we asked the question this morning, how do we become a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I wanna give you three short stories that I think really illustrate that very well for us, not only in our current situation, not only our current crisis, but a style of living that really spells out for us the rest of our life, the type of people that we should be. And the first idea is this, that you would be someone to bring your lunch you'd be somebody to bring your lunch. Now, again, if you've been reading along with us, then recently you've read 1 Samuel chapter 17. And if you've been in any church, any any period of time at all, you know exactly what's in this chapter. It's where David kind of becomes known. He actually kills Goliath, cuts off his head. And the story is crazy because The Israelites and the Philistines were opposing each other on the battlefield, but with the death of Goliath that David caused, Israelites run across the field and decimate their bully, the Philistines. Who says the Bible isn't interesting? It's very interesting. It's a story about how King David becomes this incredible war hero who rises to fame after he kills Goliath. As a matter of fact, David was so admired by all of the women in Israel that any town that he entered, they would come to the street and they would sing to him, sing his praises. Can you imagine that kind of popularity? Where you walked into any town and everybody knew who you were based upon what you had done. And why was he so great? Well, certainly some of that was because of his fame for killing Goliath and routing, helping to rout the Philistine army. But I think he's great because of his heart to bring a lunch. All through his life, he was playing the harp for King Saul, working behind the scenes, and he was promoted in the kingdom because of the type of heart that he had for other people. That servant heart. You see, if you back up a little bit from the death of Goliath in chapter 17, 1 Samuel, you'll read in verse 17 that David also has a lot of brothers and they're all in the Israelite army dad whose name is Jesse is a little worried about his boys who are on the battlefront and so he wants to make sure they're okay and he calls David in he puts together some roasted grain some loaves of bread and some cheese and he says I want you to take this to your brothers take lunch to your brothers at the front line and check on them and give their captain some of the food as well so he'll watch out for my boys So David gathers together what's been given him, and in a humble servant-type way, he takes that food to his brothers. I mean, if you want to fight a great battle in the kingdom of God, you first might need to bring a lunch. You first might need to be willing to, to do something that seems insignificant. You might often think about doing things that seem invisible or working behind the scenes. The way you're promoted in God's kingdom is never self-promotion, but it's always by serving. If you want to be great, then you serve. It might be an opportunity for you to metaphorically bring a lunch in your own life, serving those around you in some way, some regard. But you also might offer a ride to those that you interact with in your life. A week before Jesus' death, he's about to enter Jerusalem. And he sends his disciples in to take care of something. You see, Jesus wants to fulfill a prophecy that was 550 years in the making. The prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament had prophesied some 550 years before Jesus ever got to Jerusalem that the king would ride in on a donkey. Now, if you know what you think about kings, they don't come into the grand city on a donkey. No, they ride a white stallion, and it is full of pomp and circumstance. The king is on his incredible steed, and it is fully suited up. He's got his beautiful sword with him, and he is in full regalia. His soldiers are on either side of him. There's a band leading the way. Everybody comes out to see what's going on. No, when the king comes to town, everybody knows about it, except for our king, Jesus, who comes in humility. You see, when you read the story in Luke chapter 19, it's very interesting how it unfolds. So Jesus tells the disciples, I want you to go into Jerusalem, follow a man who's carrying a water pitcher. He's going to lead you to a place where there is a a young donkey that's never been ridden tied to a fence. I want you to untether that donkey and bring it to me. And the man there is going to ask you what you're doing. And you simply say, the Lord needs it. The Lord has use of it in his kingdom work. And so sure enough, the disciples go into town. They follow the man with the water jug who leads them to the donkey. They untie the donkey. And the man, of course, there says, what are you doing with my donkey? And he said, they say simply that the Lord needs it. The Messiah needs it. And he says, take it. I mean, how do we truly be a faithful servant, especially in these times? And it might be simply offering someone a ride. I mean, that's what this business person did in the book of Luke in the New Testament. And I love the fact that we don't know his name. We don't know his particular brand of business. We don't know if he had one donkey or he had 50 donkeys. He simply says, yes, take what I have and use it for the kingdom. Take take whatever I own and let the Messiah use it. Let it be at his disposal. And remember, it was a donkey who had never been ridden, and the guy could have easily kind of confronted them a little bit. No, that's my little mileage donkey. Don't take him. Take the nag over here because I might not get that back. He, He doesn't argue the point. He just said, if the Lord needs it, I'm willing to offer it. And by offering a ride, he made a way for Jesus to fulfill prophecy in the last most important week probably of his life. So you and I, as followers of Christ, we, we could possibly offer a ride. We might bring a lunch, but we also could carry a towel. And in John chapter 13 is this incredible story of Jesus and his servant attitude and heart. Again. It's the last week of Jesus' life. He's in the city, and he asks the disciples to find a place where they can celebrate the Passover together. And so they discover an upper room, which they get situated and ready for the meal on Thursday night. The disciples and their families and Jesus are now in the upper room, and they're about to celebrate this Passover meal together. Jesus is sitting at the table, and he knows exactly what's in front of him. He knows that weight that is on his shoulders, what he's about to endure and go through. And as these things are being pondered in his own mind, as he relinquishes what must be done with his servant heart, he's hearing the discussion around the table amongst the disciples, and their question is, who is the goat, the greatest of all time? Which, which one of us are the one that's going to sit beside the right hand of Jesus in his kingdom? Who, who is the, the greatest here at the table? Which one of us are really going to be the top dog, so to speak? Right before Jesus is going to be arrested, tried, and killed, this is the discussion. And John at the table, the apostle John, says, well, of course it's me. I mean, it's, I'm the one that Jesus truly loves. I mean, John writes that over and over in his own gospel account. I'm the one that Jesus loves. Peter says, well, wait a minute. You you know, I'm the one who actually walked on water. And before you say that I actually sunk, know that I did take a few steps on the water. Clearly, I'm the goat. I'm the greatest of all time. Bartholomew kind of spouts off as well, well, what about me? And all the disciples look at Bartholomew and says, we didn't even know you were a disciple. No one's going to remember anything that you did. Who will be the greatest in the kingdom of Jesus? And Jesus is sitting at table knowing that he did not come to be served, but to serve. And he hears this discussion going on around the table. And he sees the pride at the table. And he goes on in John chapter 13 and verse 4. So Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, now what we find out here is probably in the moment one of the most TMZ moments that could have ever happen. It was scandalous. Scandalous. I mean, the host would never wash anyone's feet, much less the Messiah, the Son of God. Not a chance. Everyone's looking at Jesus who are sitting at the table because they hear the water being poured into a, a basin. And they're, they're screaming out, no, Jesus, you can't. But you see, in Jesus' day, washing feet was a custom, a tradition. Much like in our own home. We, someone walks in, we take their coat, we offer them a drink, but in Jesus' day, there would also be a servant or a slave there to wash the feet because everyone wore sandals and they were out on those dusty roads or the muddy roads, whichever they would have been, and they would have needed cleaned before they laid and reclined at the table. But The host, the host would never wash feet. That's a, that's a deed beneath him. That would be his job of a servant or a slave. Yet Jesus, the host, looks around and he sees proud hearts and dirty feet and he puts on an apron he gets on the dirty floor and he serves I mean who is Jesus anyway the son of God the prince of peace the light of the world the true vine he is an incredible king of glory the righteous judge the lord of lords and the king of kings that's who Jesus is And our hope for a better tomorrow kneels down to serve because Jesus knew the greatest in the kingdom would never be a self-promoter, but always someone with a servant heart. He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. You see, serving is not just something we do. It is who we are because we follow the lead of our Savior in this moment. It's our opportunity, church, to tell the world the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. It's it's them looking at those who would follow Jesus and saying, I wish I were part of that community. I want to be a part of that kind of love, that kind of kindness, that kind of servant attitude. I want to be in that world. Church, it's our moment to shine. You know, Jesus kind of tells a parable reminding us of what we're called to do in Matthew chapter 25. And he's talking to his disciples, therefore us today, and he says, listen, on that great day, I'm going to separate sheep and goats, sheep and goats, greatest of all time, and my sheep. And he says, there was a moment where I was, I was parched. I I needed something to drink and you brought me some water. There was a moment when I had nothing in my belly to eat, and yet you gave me food to eat. There was a moment when I didn't have a stitch of clothing to my name, and you gave me clothes and a coat and shoes. There was a moment when I was sick, and you attended to me. There was a moment when you visited me when I was in prison. And those that follow Jesus look at him and say, Jesus, when did we see you in this moment? We don't recall any of this. And Jesus replies, as often as you did it for any of my creation, you've done it for me. And so as we think about this incredible moment in our history, people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, it is your moment to be the light. It is your opportunity to, To share in a kind, humble, and gentle way the incredible Savior, Jesus Christ, that we serve. To know that they can have peace that passes all understanding because of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That it's in Him we find life and being and every motion within us is to give Him glory. Not for our glory, but for His and so as we metaphorically think about how we could offer a ride or bring a lunch or carry a towel, it's our moment as people of God to be creative in the moment, to discover how, how do we encourage and uplift and minister to our family, our coworkers, the folks that we attend church with, our very neighbors, it's a great opportunity to reach out and ask the question, how can I serve you? In what ways can I be Jesus in your life? And for some of us, it's simply going to be praying for those around us, a prayer walk in your neighborhood, or maybe using social media to reach out and encourage those who are, who are kind of down on their luck right now. So many have already lost jobs. Several know people who have the virus and are sick. There are our older generation who are kind of shut in and shut out from the world and it's it's our opportunity to reach out to them and ask how can we serve what can we do for you what are the things that we can do in our own life to look like Jesus because at the end of the day we want to celebrate John chapter 30 we want to celebrate with John the Baptist saying listen he Jesus must become greater and greater and I I've got to become less and less. So may you be encouraged this day. May you be reminded of your place at the table. May you share the message of hope that is Jesus Christ with everyone that will listen to you. My hope is that God will bless you in extraordinary ways. My hope in this week is that you will feel the presence of the Spirit upon you and that you will be Jesus to all those around you let's bow with the word of prayer father this morning we come before you just lifting our hearts and our souls to you because so many right now god i'm not sure what to do or what the future even holds but church this we do know that god holds the future in his hand and because of that we have no fear we have no anxiety because we know that we are loved and cared for by the creator of the universe thank you jesus for doing what you've done for us Help us to share that message of hope in lots of different ways with those around us. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.